Let me tell you how it will be. We'll all catch up on the books you see. Cause it's the X-Men. Yeah, it's the X-Men. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 181 of the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. As the song said, this is an X-Men catch-up episode where I'll be talking about both X-Men number four and Marauders number five. But before we get into that, let me tell you where you can find us all around the internet. You can go over to Twitter, where WS Marvel Comics, where if you follow us, we will follow you back. We also have a website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where we review almost all of the books each Wednesday when they do come out. And this past week, we ended up having reviews for Forceworks 2020 number three. Revenge of Cosmic Ghost Rider number five, Scream Curse of Carnage number six, and my review of Avengers of the Wastelands number five. And that was the finale of that little mini series. But we also have a Patreon account where you can go over and help us out, inspire us to keep doing all of the stuff that we do, but also get a bunch, a ton of other shows in return. It is patreon.com slash weird science. This past week on one of the bigger shows we do each and every week is the Marvel Patreon only exclusive spotlight. And we end up doing two books picked by the bad butts of the Fresh Star Group. And we ended up doing Scream Curse of Carnage number six and Fantastic Four number 238, the 1981 John Byrne deal, because still there's not enough books coming out. So we end up having one new one a classic, but we're going to jump into these X books here, and we're going to start with the flagship title, X-Men number four, that's written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Lineal Francis Yu, inks by Jerry Anguillian, and Lineal Francis Yu, colors by Sonny Go, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and the setup deal is very quick, the state of the world, mutants are flocking to the island nation of Krakow to be part of the first mutant society. And as Krakoa grows, so does its prominence on the international stage. And that's what we see here. And this issue is a very wordy issue. It's a very, I'd like to say, a cerebral type issue, though you end up having Jonathan Hickman throw in some pretty cool action, not all being seen, but just the concept of what's going on is big. And it really does show you that Gorgon and Cyclops are bad butts to the extreme. All of this takes place in Davos, Switzerland, where they are having a summit. Then those Switzerland things, they're always having summits there, right? This is the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum, and they've invited, well, you know, pretty much Magneto and Charles and Apocalypse to go and talk and kind of feel them out. It seems like the World Economic Forum, they're not necessarily... Asking them to fully, it's weird. It's more of a, hey, can you kind of give us your statements of what you plan to be doing? Like, what is this going on? You have this power that's pretty much overnight, or at least for the past month, has hit hard. It has pretty much changed the whole economic structure of the entire world. And we're a little bit wary of this. We want to know what's going on. We also want to tell you our concerns with how you are doing it. In the meantime, one of the guys, he has Moida on his mind and basically ends up setting up two 
SWAT type teams, two paramilitary teams on either floor above and below where the summit is taking place. And if he does not like hearing what he hears, he is going to activate these guys. They are going to swarm and kill the mutants, it seems. Uh, you realize by the end of this, he don't like what he hears uh, because he does end up telling them to kind of go and do some things. But before that can even happen, luckily, one of the guys, he gets itchy. And it's not an itchy trigger finger. He gets an itchy, you know, block out the mutant mind readers disc. They end up having this tech that won't allow Charles to kind of scan the area. They are pretty much blocked out from him being able to know they're there. One guy starts to itch himself, saying, man, these things are, are itchy. I'm really scratchy here. And that ends up for a, a second, allowing Charles to know what's going on and to pretty much tell Scott and Gorgon, you better go up and down, take care of this before they try to take care of us. And it's really good, but it does get wordy. The the issue and the concept of the economics and what's involved. And, and with that, Charles doesn't say much. Charles kind of sits back. Magneto is doing a lot of the talking, though. The bad butt moment and the biggest thing that hits to me is Apocalypse. When he gets his line, it is big and it. I'm telling you, he is sassy. He's sassy. sassy. Uh, because they end up. Having a dinner, they're they're gonna eat stuff, you know, stuff like watermelon gazpacho, and it's funny. You read this and you think, oh my, and then that's very fancy. I mean, watermelon gazpacho infused with habanero and pableno chilies—that seems like something that is well beyond a simple man like myself. Though at one point I did have pear gazpacho infused with habanero, so there you go. I'm a little fancier. Than you all thought so you I was. Check yourself. And so that they're, they're having this dinner, they're toasting peace, but they really want to know what's going on here, mutants. What are you doing? We don't think that everything you're doing is on the up and up. Why are you hiding? All this is going on. In the meantime, you do have Gorgon and Scott there to run security. They get kind of kept out of the meeting, which is is normal. There is no security in that meeting, so that makes sense. But there is a pretty cool moment when you have. This head of security at the Davos Center there go over to Gorgon and say, yeah, you, you're going to have to get rid of those swords. You have these swords there. They're a little too, like, in your face. They, they kind of seem odd. And he just laughs and says, it's funny that you think the swords are, are the biggest weapon here. I mean, really? You really think that's the case? And I like what's going on here in the way that you know, you have this mutant council, you have the trio there, but also Scott and Gorgon are there, and they are not begging to be there. They are not acting like they are just so thrilled to be invited to the table that they will do anything, and they're going to uh, thank everybody. No, no, they're there because they're in a place of pretty much dominance of what's going on. They are controlling Almost what the whole economic thing is going on with the drugs and all that going around. And that's why they were invited. They weren't invited because this economic council wants to be friends with them. They're freaking out and they need to figure out what's going on and, you know, figure out what they're going to do from there. But, yeah, as this is going on pretty quickly, this one guy starts pressing his ear. He starts, you know, and that is activating, pretty much alerting 
these paramilitary guys to, you know, let's get to it. You both descend, uh, you know, go up and meet us here, kill everybody, whatever the case may be, as they are talking. And that's where Charles has heard because that one guy was, you know, he's scratching and he ended up this little disc kind of broke the skin contact. Charles saw this for a brief instant, alerts both Gorgon and Cyclops, says take care of them, and they do. And they go, and it's it's a cool thing, and this happens a lot, and this happens in some comics that it plays out differently than this does, because nothing here is on the happy side of things. This meeting is not going bad, but it's not going great either, for any, because it's pretty much this council... Yeah, trying to kind of, you know, feel out the mutants, but also it seems like at points trying to strong arm them a little or warn them that they're doing too much. And it's being met by mainly Magneto until the end. It then is Xavier. But Magneto, pretty much Eric says, you know, we're we're doing what we learned from you. And I like this idea of they they're the mutants. They're homo superior. They have adapted. The mutation is the But they're actually saying here that we're also adapting in the ways that we're doing things. We're also doing that with Krakoa. But the way that we're going to deal with you is how we adapt it by learning from you. We we learn watching you just take money from everyone to make a benefit for yourself and then end up pretty much you, you charge your people to be educated. You charge them to live. You charge them for health. You do all this. Then you make that turn into something else that they'll pay for all this. Well, that's what we're going to do. And we're just going to do it probably better than you. And we're not being any sort of in hiding. At one point, the one guy says, oh, if you're on the up and up, why are you hiding on that island? And Apocalypse just says, does it feel like we're hiding? Does it really feel that way? Because we're not. And the idea that they're there and Eric, Apocalypse, and Charles, they're on the, the up and up clear. They are being transparent. We will dominate the world. Economics. The economic. We will dominate it. We will end up getting all the money. We'll use that money to buy up all your banks, all of your. We're going to own everything, and and that's how it's going to be. But in their kind of side of things, not their defense, not the, but their side of things that the mute. They're not going for just the dominate. We're going to kill everybody. We're going to do this because that's the old way, and that is kind of the human way. And they even point that out that. We're learning from the past. We're learning from your past. You guys don't. You end up making it so that your children end up not learning the real history and then end up repeating it and then end up starting over. And it's just a cycle. We're just doing it better. We're learning from you, but we are superior and we will learn it better and we will take it back. And we are actually going to dominate you with your things that you do. And in that, that's where you get to the apocalypse deal because they don't agree and this is pretty much eric saying all of this you know hey listen back in the you know that you ended up in the medieval times everybody forgot the dark ages made you forget everything you didn't even know how to produce lead so what you had to do was dig up old roman structures and you had all this and and really don't even get me started about the bronze age because that was the dark age before the dark ages and really you guys don't even know how that ended no, nobody knows how it ended, and that's bad. You, you can't, you, you can't advance when you don't even understand or record or even know to this day why something failed so miserably. 
and you end up having the one guy. What do we need to know how the Bronze Age ended, how it fell? And that's where Apocalypse steps up. And it is, it's one of the best lines in comics in the past months where they say, why do we care about what, how the Bronze Age ended? And Apocalypse says, well, I, I was alive then. And believe me, you should care. And they're like, oh, okay, Apocalypse. Like, pretty much, let us know then, please. Do us the honor of telling us what ended the Bronze Age. What ended making the humans just a disaster and the Bronze Age to just go and end? And he just says, I did. It was me. And it is it is big. It, it really is. Because they're just like, huh, this, this isn't going well. And you have a lady in the council say, I've heard talk like this before. So if you're going to talk about, you know, learning from the past or what has happened before, I've heard talk like this. And it always leads to war. It always leads to war. And we're always at war with you anyway. It's always mutants versus humans, humans versus mutants. But I have a feeling that this is going to be bigger. Like, this is going to be the worst war ever. And that's where Eric says, no, it's not going to be a war. And then, oh, is that so? And he's like, it is so. And says, we are changing. We're changing our ways. And Eric spells it out. Now, as this is all going on, remember, Cyclops and Gorgon are beating and killing people left and right, all these military, because the humans haven't changed. They have shown up here, and if things aren't going to go their way, they'll kill people. And and so when you see this, the juxtaposition of what Eric is saying of them changing versus the idea that humans haven't just puts a exclamation point on the idea, this is why the mutants will end up getting everything they they ended up it's just the idea that they are magneto apocalypse and professor x as a team here just shows you how different this has become than the regular you know humans who can't even get along when they're just sitting at the table because the guy who has activated all of these military troops he isn't told this isn't a whole council thing he's doing stuff on his own nobody trusts each other but there you have three figures who pretty much have been battling each other forever but they're solid they're a brotherhood here and he says i in the past if this sort of thing would have happened, it wouldn't be an island. And then there wouldn't be drugs that were helping you live longer and better lives. We wouldn't be here talking to you, eating watermelon gazpacho infused with habanero here and, you know, being civilized in a way. No, no, I would have went into your country and I would have seized all of your weapons, turned them on you just to show that I'm stronger than you. I, I would have just done that. You know, he might have even said, I, I would have just done that for a Sunday afternoon walk in the park. That This is the things that we used to do. And look at me. I'm here talking to you. I'm not even getting mad. And I'll give it to Magnino. When you first started the Hox Pox stuff in this, you are seeing a progression from there. You are seeing a Eric, a Magneto, who is more confident in this plan of Charles, especially when he came back from being killed, and, and confident in. This way because he now sees the bigger picture and he sees that he can get what he always wanted, but he can do it the way that the humans have done it. And with that, you can do it in legal channels and you can do it all in the up and up and they can't say. So I I think that he is really, really enjoying himself. There's a, a fun little moment where he's eating and he gets word from 
he needs help. Uh, Scott does. Cyclops needs help while he's fighting because a guy has a gun and he's pointing it at Scott and you end up just basically Magneto from being just pulls that away. Scott goes to town. But yeah, this all continues on until you see that the whole bunch of those military groups, they're taken care of. And that's when Charles does kind of step in. And they're saying this one guy says, well, how long is it going to take, you know, how long is this going to take until this peaceful trust disappears? He says, we cannot trust them. How long do you think until someone blinks and this peaceful detente disappears? And Charles in another, I mean, there's a lot of mic drop moments here. Apocalypse had the ultimate mic drop. But Charles has one here, too, because when this guy, and this is the guy who is sending all the military stuff and thinks that they're going to end up there to attack everyone and says, when, how long is this peaceful thing going to last until somebody blinks and it starts war? And Charles just says a month. This guy's like, what? And Charles says one month. That's all it took for you to send someone to Krakoa to kill me. And it didn't work. And you can't do it. You know, you're not going to kill me in this way that you think you can. And this guy freaks out. We didn't send anybody to kill you. This is ridiculous. And you even have then, uh, you know, Eric say, well, that's fine. Uh, You know, we're here. We have this whole mutant deal. And it's funny because we actually have a rule with the mutants now. Don't kill any humans. We made it law. But yet you still came to kill Charles. And he actually takes off his helmet. And he says, do you think I've completely given up on my dream of mutants and humans coexisting peacefully? And it's a good deal where he's saying it. And I hope that, you know, the others there and it seems like the Wakandan, you know, emissary, he's down with the mutants. He just can't go too far with it and stuff like that. It was nice. But you end up having Charles say, I love you humans. And yeah, at one point, somebody told me that I should dream another dream. And while I may have. I haven't given up on that old one. I, I haven't put that old dream to bed. I still believe in it. I still believe in you. I still believe in the humans. And I still will always believe that we can get along. Unfortunately, sometimes things are going on. And you guys end up trying to kill me. And this is ridiculous. And says, you know, these people that you're having, come they're not arriving. So stop with that. But yeah, this one guy just keeps screaming and says, you've basically admitted to everyone here today, you see the world is yours. What did you think we would do? And Charles says, "Uh, learn from it, evolve, adapt, become something more, something better, the same as I always have. And he says, if you want to be angry and lash out because we are claiming what is rightfully ours, then so be it. Just know it's the last time it ends like this. You guys mess with us again. You're down. And it gets very ominous at this point, even though earlier you ended up having some things mentioned. Oh, that sounds ominous. This is not. And and again, where Magneto basically is there to say, you know, you end up Charles say, just know it's the last time it ends like this. This one guy, what is that supposed to mean? (laughs) Magneto says, I I don't think that that was any sort of code or anything. I mean, it means what he means. It's very clear what we're saying here. And really, they're not in the wrong. They were invited here for, you know, a summit meeting, and it looked like they were going to get slaughtered. So he says, we're in a position. We are part of a brotherhood of nations. So 
We're trying to learn how this all goes, but we're quick learners, and you guys, oh my, you're the best teachers at how to do this nonsense. So, hey, catch you later. Boom. And they go out and they say, if you do any of this nonsense again, this is Magneto at the end as they're leaving, expect a response. And, And they leave. And it is a really, really good issue. And usually, if you listen to this podcast or the DC Comics podcast that I'm on with Eric, I'm not a big yakety yak guy. I, I don't like comics where people are just sitting at a table talking normally. I am not a real political guy. And that's what th- it's in spades here. And yet I really liked it because it was big. It felt like a great progression of how these books are going. And this, this flagship X-Men title, I said the last time when I reviewed X-Men number three, it always just feels like one shots that you kind of do this and hey, we'll have some fun here. This isn't fun. This is a big deal. This is something that shows you that, you know, this whole deal of Krakow, they're in and they're ready to, they're in it to win it is basically what you see. And I really liked it. And I said, I like the action that we're seeing as this meeting. And then it's a tense meeting, but. You just have people sitting civilized, talking. They might be arguing, but they're talking as Cyclops is just, you know, hitting someone with the the vision. You end up having Gorgon slicing all the guy's arms off. He doesn't kill most of them, but he says, I'm going to leave you like that so you can feel shame and and you'll remember us without your arms. And so you end up with them leaving. But yeah, overall, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Um, I continue. The only thing that I can say that I didn't like that much. I, I still am not real sold fully on uh, Lanille Francis Hughes art. That's one of the things. It, it's just something that bugs me a little with his faces, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. But it, it's just he, it, the art isn't that great to me. But it's still, it's good. It's just not great. And as the main book, I, I would have rather of it been Someone else, but again, that's just me and personal taste. I'm sure that some people will be like, you are insane, and that wouldn't be the first time I have heard that. But I'm going to move on to Marauders number five, and I'm going to do this just real quick. One fell swoop here. No stoppings, no going to get my coffees because I'm out of my coffee, and I kind of do need it, but we'll just go with that. But we end up having Marauders number five, and the Marauders book is a book that I have been enjoying. And the next issue, Marauders number five, is written by Jerry Dugan, art by Matteo Loli and Lucas Wernick, colors by Federico Blee, letters by VC's Corey Pettit, and after a cold open, because I'm putting that in air quotes, as you do get Iceman and Christian Frost going to the Arctic to probably, it seems like, reverse the whole a global warming deal. You are failing us. See, that's all. That's all Greta needed to do was to get a hold of Iceman, it seems, and send him to the Arctic where he can make everything snow and everything freeze again. It would be great. I mean, this would be the best thing ever, and it would end up reversing the Anthropocene era here, the geological period that's going on where humans are affecting the environment more than anything else. I should be back in school. You should be. It seems like Iceman is real against this, you know, kind of period there. But yeah, you end up, it, it's there more though to have Christian 
asked Bobby, hey, you, you want to join me? You want to join me on my submarine? It's great. It's not yellow, but it, it's a cool submarine. And actually, at this point, it's the helm part that is a piano. Isn't that cool? But he's like, no, 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 I'm a marauder. I'm a marauder through and through. And you end up saying, Christian, is it that you want to be a marauder? Are you there just guarding Kitty? Are you there? And it seems like you and Storm are pretty much not letting Kitty out of her sight, out of the, your sight. And is this because she can't go through the gates and you will not be able to use the resurrection protocol with her because it might, you know, what's going on? And you end up having Bobby just call her Kate. Well, this is a setup. This is what we call foreshadowing, kids. And you are going to have it mentioned again by Kitty slash Kate in a little bit as well. And yes, I'm reading this. And I told you, I don't read ahead so that I, I don't have any inside info that I can pretend I'm smarter because I'm not. I'm a dummy. I couldn't avoid some spoilers here. So I kind of know where this is going. I'm not going to say anything in case you don't, but I kind of do. Uh, but yeah, you have all this and I'll give you now what they end up having the recap. Welcome to the club. Captain Kate Pride is settling in her new role as Red Queen of the Hellfire Trading Company, the organization responsible for distributing Krakoa's life-saving pharmaceuticals to friendly nations around the world. Meanwhile, Kate and her crew smuggle mutants out of enemy nations, a list that grows longer every day. And you're having a, a council meeting in Hellfire Bay. You have the Hellfire Trading Company there. They're talking about things that they have to do, deliveries that are going on. And you do have the continuing notion of Sebastian Shaw being real, real pissed because he keeps getting outvoted by both Kate and Emma. So he is angry. You have the Red Queen and the White Queen outvoting the Black King. So it, it just he kind of can't win here as we go. This is pissing him off, which makes him look very ominous when you end up. He tries to get the Marauders to head off to Marjorapur. They end up voting that down and sending Shinobi. So Shinobi, and Shinobi's pretty funny here. He's like, boy, I, I thought I drove my father nuts, but I'm nothing compared to you two. I mean, really. And that's where you do see Kate talking to Emma and says, what happens if I die? Like, what's going to go on? I, I don't know if these protocols work for me. So I may up, and it's funny too because she points out she's not afraid to die. It seems as much as she's afraid to be the oldest mutant, uh, you know, on Krakow, and that, that kind of pulls into what I said when we were talking about the X Force book on one of the catch-up deals when we saw that Domino was just flayed and sautéed and missing an eye, and I said, well. If you end up having something like I, I get a tattoo that I don't like, well, what's easier, laser surgery or, or getting resurrected? And, you know, that whole deal, when do you get enough damage? What are the rules of damage to go with this? Well, this also points out where Kitty just pretty much thinks that, hey, if you're going to get old, once you get to, you know, 40 or so, maybe you get the resurrection so that you're sexy self again. And this is where I talked about on the DC podcast, the idea of when you go to heaven, in my mind, you're your sexiest self. But this is what happens because for mutants, isn't Krakoa heaven? See, I was right. I was right all along. But she says, I don't want to be the oldest one. And Emma does seem concerned and does seem to have actual feelings here. Her and Kate 
they do end up hugging with this and she says you know don't worry we'll, we'll figure whatever but i do like emma's first reactions like i don't want to die either but who knows what knows i'm gonna come back with again sexy yourself and so they they go but while this is all going on everything's going down because they need to get as they said in that recap they need to get these mutants and a lot of these are kids that you ended up having Kate and the Marauders get, so they have to give them habitats. They have to give them places to live. Emma is concerned that they just are all dressed awfully. Let's get them better clothes here. When you have Pyro run in, oh, my God, the upstart, which is Shinobi's ship, is under attack now in Marjapur. They've sent him there. His ship, the upstart, is under attack. And it is fine. Emma is actually pretty funny in this issue where you end up Pyro's like, Oh, my God, we got a distress call. The upstart is in a huge fight in Marjapur Bay. Kate says, oh, my God, that sounds horrible. And Emma, being Emma, says, indeed, Shinobi Shaw named the, the boat the upstart, please. <laughs> she just thinks that. But they're going to go and they're going to meet. You end up having, you know, some of the mutants are going to actually take the portals so that the gates so that they can get there right away and get things going while you end up having Kate right behind in the boat with, you know, so they're going to go off there. Now, while they run off and while you end up seeing Bobby, you know, with the ice going onto the ship, you see Kate going, you end up having Sebastian watching. Yes, yes. Off you go. Sail to the rescue. And he's going into a gate himself. Now, one of the things that I, I did actually skip that is important, we've had this thing where, and especially last issue of Marauders, when you ended up having Kate and Bishop with that map where they were trying to get that guy, you end up where she said, I do not speak Krakoan. And so Emma actually zaps it into her mind. So she can speak Krakoan now, which is kind of a cool little thing. And she ends up when they're toasting uh, the deal because, again, they have outvoted Sebastian once again. That's funny. Girl power. Let's toast. And she ends up doing the toasting crack Cohen. And then Kitty's like, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, I forgot. You you didn't go through the okay, here, let me zap it. Boom. Now she knows. Crack Cohen. But yeah, you go off to Marjorie where you do have Storm and Bishop there ahead of time. You end up with a cool thing where Bishop says to Storm, and even Storm, she, let's cause a storm and make it so that these people are inconvenienced. Maybe they'll all go home. In the meantime, Bishop finds a kid who's running around. It's just a little kid with a gun going to kill the mutants. Bishop said, hey, what's going on? What's what's going on here? Oh, well, we're getting paid to kill mutants. You know, uh, Verende says that if we end up bringing him a dead mutant, he'll make us rich. This is going to be great. Bishop in a cool deal, like bends down to the kids level, which is a, a really good thing to have here because that is something that is very, you know, very good to do when you are talking to a kid. Just as an aside, you end up having them pay this kid. Listen, I'm paying you to get off the streets tonight. Just go home and be safe. You're making more. Just please. And so the kid, he's gotten his information. The kid's not going to get in trouble. Well, you have these guys in Marjapur just surrounding the upstart, it's on fire. You got a lot of bad things going on. But Bishop says there's someone called Verende saying this to Storm. And they're putting money on the streets for mutant blood. So they're going to have to go. And pretty much let's first see if the you know people, if you end up having a Shinobi okay on the ship, things like that. They jump on. They're yelling, we're friendlies. Don't worry, we're friendlies. They go. And down in the hall, you do see these mutant kids. 
and Shinobi, and he says, I don't, they waited. They knew what to do. They waited until I unloaded the drugs, and then they attacked us. Uh, how did you get past those power-dampening guys at their gear? And that's where, oh, my, this is a trap. And they even said as they were going. And I, it's one of those things, and it's happened a couple times in these X books where they know they're going into a trap, but you can't leave people there. You can't not help. So they have jumped into the fray during these things. Well, you end up, and if you have been reading all these, these guys who end up coming with this power dampening armor, you can recognize them right away as the people from the Russian army that was using them. And indeed it is. And you end up seeing our hominous, Verendi characters who are involved with this. And in, in particular, right away, you end up seeing Wilhelmina Kensington. You end up seeing even Manuel and Duque and Kate Kilgore kind of there, you know, just watching things go down, trying to figure out the deal. And there's more to this. This is the first setup. This gets pretty much at least occupies Bishop and Storm. While it looks like they are really concentrating or really trying to draw the marauders. They're the maraudership and Kate because she shows up and you end up having Wilhelmina like, who man, wait till they meet our friends. This won't be great. And as they are going in, all of a sudden the ship comes out of nowhere, this huge ship, and it is going to ram the marauder ship and Kate in a bad, butt deal ends up phasing so that the whole ship phases. But it ends then with these guys jumping on because then Bobby yells, prepare to be boarded. At one point, I mean, it's one panel to the next. He's like, I save, Cap. Oh, no. Oh, hell. Prepare to be boarded. And these guys jump on and they, they, they look evil. I mean, they any guy who jumps and has a burning sword and a hood on, and I'm talking like a hood, that is not great. And the other guy's just like a... Uh, um, looks like a guy from a D&D camp, but he just looks incredibly scary. Blue face with this mask type deal on and a chain mail armor on his arms. But yeah, humanity will never yield to gene junk. Mankind first, obviously. I mean, by the look, you see a hate crime uh, walking down. He's a walking hate crime, this guy. And they're ready to attack. And they have. Bobby down just yelling hominus verendi and yeah it's it's trouble it's real trouble for everybody involved here it has been a setup uh it does look like sebastian was involved which is awful this could cause a lot of ramifications uh again i've seen and heard some of the spoilers not in particular of how it went down so i'm not sure how that is but this issue uh I'd have to give it an 8 out of 10. I like the art. There's some things in here that I did like. It's all set up. It's all set up for, you know, something coming down the pike. And with that, I do like a lot of the setup. It, it seems as if Emma and, and Kate getting very, you know, nice and huggy. and Kate, That seemed a little forced to me. But again, I don't have the X you know, history that some people do, but it seems like, okay, that's where it happens where, and it happens in comics a lot where a hero ends up telling uh, a girl or guy, their secret identity to make them happy and then love them. And then that person's dead. And it did seem like you end up having them real, real close to just end up possibly having a disaster come. Uh, but yeah, I liked it. Eight out of 10. I, I really like the art 
in this. And and if I am not mistaken, I believe that the cold open may be the art from I, I can't tell, but I thought that might be the Lucas Wernick art, but I might be up it, but it really fits well together. There's two artists on here, but they really fit well together. I, I don't know. Stuff like that. Again, I'm a dummy. But thanks, everybody, for listening. That is it for this X-Men catch-up. I'm doing this very late on a Friday night into Saturday morning. So when I said I was going to have three books, I realized it was getting way too late for that. But I will end up having another episode coming up before Tuesday. So I'll have another catch-up episode. We'll get this done. It's a, a long road ahead of us, long and winding road. I think there was once a song. Well, that went kind of like that, and that's what this has been. So I hope you're enjoying it. I hope that you are having fun catching up on the X-Books, and I, I hope that there's some people who have read all of them up until the present deal, and they could have some fun listening to me struggle and try to guess what's going to happen. But I also like when people are following along. I know my man Dallas Gibson, when he ends up hearing this, I think it'll be way down the line because he ended up saying that I actually went beyond where he was reading at the point, so he has to now stockpile episodes. But I'm glad that he uh, seems to think that it's worth doing that. So thank you, Dallas. But that is it. Again, I'll remind you to go over to the uh, Twitters, and that's where I heard from Dallas. So if you go over, you follow us. We'll follow you at WS Marvel Comics. Also check out our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. And yeah, check out, and please check out our Patreon Deal and see if it's something that you might be interested in, especially if you join, you don't get charged right away and you can end up checking it out before you get charged. And then you can, you know, figure it out if it is worth, but at least give it a shot. But thanks, everybody. And I'll talk to you later.